Welcome to Texas Hockey Talk, brought to you by Dallas Stars Hockey Fans. Tired of paying over-inflated electricity bills? Let us help you. Contact Samuel Stevens with Infinity Energy and see if solar is a good fit for you at 469-235-7461 or email him at sstevens, S-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S at goinfinityenergy.com. Thousands have saved in Texas already. Why not you? All right, well, let's get the show on the road. Let's bring in Bunsy, former hockey player, and Brando, assistant admin on Dallas Stars Hockey Fans, along with myself, Bubbles. We are ready to take a look at this past star season. Boys, we made it. We are in the postseason. How do we feel? (laughs) One second of relief, followed by um, almost pooping my pants, seeing that we might have to play Colorado. But I feel great. Now, Colorado's tied against Nashville right now as we record this on a beautiful uh, Thursday night. Shoot. I mean, yeah, we could still play them or Calgary. It's tight right now. I'm a big I'm a big believer that all that matters is that you make the playoffs and some fans get like uh, angry, like, oh, we're playing bad. We're just going to lose in the playoffs and not have a good draft pick. I'm like, screw that. There's so many stories where an eighth seed goes and makes a splash. And um, there's a, usually a reason um, that team makes it. They're, they're fighting and they're catching momentum right at the right time. And, you know, stars have some weird wins and weird losses in the past 20 games that have made us scratch our head. But we did what we needed to do to make the playoffs. How could we, we did be it. upset? Yeah, and, and what's crazy, right? Um, since 2008, when the Stars went to their uh, well, went to the Western Conference Finals, um, this season is the second most points since 2008, 14 years, and this is actually the second best. And yet, we're barely scraping in. It's a top-heavy year in both conferences. Like the East has been set for what two months. Like there was no wild card race at all, and yet in the West, it's come down to the last week, and the Stars scraped in. At almost a hundred points, I, I can't remember the last season where it took that many points just to be an eight seed. That seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. the NHL is wow. getting extremely competitive. This is Bunsy, by the way. If we want to differentiate the voices over here, um, but yeah, I think that the NHL is ultra competitive right now. Um, but just focusing in on the stars, there's a lot of upside of what's happening here, but. If we're going to recap the whole season, uh, with the upside comes tons of question marks, tons of confusion, overwhelming games, and um, pretty interesting storylines that I think are worth recapping. And I'd like to hear Bubbles and Brando's take on kind of what's happened over the past 81 games, you know, coming up on the end of the season here. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at the season there, Bunzi. Um, I wrote down – some different stretches we had and yeah break that down you guys would really agree that this was a freaking roller coaster this season both emotionally and, and physically um 
So I'll just kind of go through this and then we can react to it as we go. But starting off, um, Brando, you and I went to the watch party down at um, the exchange in downtown. That was pretty cool to watch uh, outdoor, uh, watch the Stars game out, outside on the lawn there. Um, that was awesome. We that won in overtime time. against the Rangers, too, is now one of the best teams in the East, which is pretty cool. Um, but they end up starting 4 6 and 2. And that was November 10th when, when that checked in. Not great. I mean, if you're not 500 at the 10 game mark, you're pretty shaky to make the playoffs already. Uh, they followed that up by going on a good winning streak from 4 6 and 2 to 13 7 and 2. So. Quite a few wins there, just one loss. And that's actually at the beginning of December where they ended um, or finished with their seven-game winning streak, which I believe tied or was one short of the franchise record for uh, for the for the Dallas, Dallas franchise. Yep. Um, and then right after Christmas in the January, uh, they jump up from 13-7-2 to 17-12-2 to um, so start – having some COVID issues. They postponed a few games, if you guys remember that. Um, so things are still really uncertain halfway, just about halfway through the season. Finally, through January and at the All-Star break, um, they go from 17-12-2 to 23-18-2. So, again, they're winning a lot of overtime games, only two losses halfway through the season, which is pretty impressive. And uh, but by the All-Star break, how are you guys – feeling about the team's odds at uh, a 23-18 and 2 record there. Um I, just to jump in real quick Brando here. I I, I feel like I remember as you kind of described it start of the season a little bit shaky then we kind of found our feet um you know after the 10 games in um but I also remember going into the All-Star break. I don't know if you guys remember this feeling a little bit uneasy about the team. Like, where are we going here? Are we going to be trading away key assets? Are we going to be sellers? Are we going to be buyers? Um, I can't remember what game it was just right before the the all-star break or that week I think we had. What was it, five, six days off? I'm just thinking, where is this team, right? I know, I think we had a real bad loss. I'm trying to, I'm trying to grab Lindsay, you were there. It was the Calgary Flames loss. So right. we're, we're playing we're the locked. flames. We're up, we're up three to one or three zero going into the third. And uh, I'm, let me look at the box score. I have it pulled up. Yeah. We're, we're up um, three, one going into the third and they, we have three unanswered goals and they win. And that's where I said, said, Oh shit. Right there. I was like really scared, but we come back with a win against the predators four three jets and, a, a win in OT. Um, we beat the Avs in uh, a split a series against them. Um, and then we kind of go on a point streak. And, you know, out of 10 games after that, that shitty loss, we kind of did get some good points and gritty points. And that's where we started the podcast is, you know, probably a few games after that where we sat down and said, <sighs> The season can go a lot of different ways, uh, depending on how the next you know few weeks go. Are we going to be buyers? Are we going to be sellers? Are we going to trade? Are we going for the playoffs? Like, and this is serious repercussions as far as finances go. <laughs> we don't want to have to think that deep into this being fans, but that's the reality of this too. And 
I think it's all paid off clearly now that we're making the playoffs. I think that was the bottom line goal. This team makes the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah, and so you go from the All-Star break, which was at the very beginning of February, uh, right before the Super Bowl, and checking back in March 6th, so Feb 1st to March 6th, they go from 23-18-2 all the way up to 32-20-3. Yep. Massive wins list. That's right around, yeah, where we were starting our first episode about nine weeks ago now, and yeah, it, it put us in a spot where we're, okay, looking pretty decent for the playoffs. Maybe we'll jump into the top three in the division. Um, who expected that, you know, a month prior in January? I think we were there for maybe like one or two games, right? I think we were up in the like the top three. In that top three, yeah. Very briefly, so. but yeah. Because Minnesota was faltering for a bit. They looked bad. They did, yeah. They took a little bit of a – little bit of a dive but then they they added a few pieces up there in minnesota um they they look good um they look really good i mean the western conference is just uh, you you talked about it earlier how the eastern conference there hasn't really been like a a wild card race for the western conference it's just there are so many to me great teams right now that could easily go on um like a, a insane playoff run and i mean yeah i, we're I just almost talk- don't want to play anybody in the west well in terms of the stars just looking at the second half of the season they've got to be one of the the top you know 15 teams easy when they made the playoffs but i mean i think they were a top 10 team in the past last uh 30 or so games as far as points go but mm-hmm. it's in terms of players starting to pick up the stats back up, Ben and Sagan rise to the occasion. You know, they got points when we needed it. We had the fourth line start to step up and get some sneaky points. Um, Peterson here or there. Um, Gurianov accepting the fact that he needs to play harder and playing harder in some key games and getting some important points. Radulov still popping in and out of the lineup and us questioning, you know, there's still tons of upside uh, and maybe he'll play better. Our team is pretty ever-changing over these past 20 games and hot and cold streaks. Klingberg's a great example. Um, You know, this has been kind of an overwhelming past 30 games, Um, you know, in terms of a whole season. It's hard to keep up game by game. Well, let's talk, yeah, about just the trade deadline. Uh, It was sometime in March. I can't remember the exact date. This is the 21st um, trade deadline show. It was right after the Capitals game. And we were worried about Pavelski and Sagan and what we're going to do for a goalie. And Klingberg. Klingberg. Yeah. And Klingberg. Uh, Not Sagan. I don't know why I said Sagan. I meant Klingberg. Holy smokes. Yeah. Nobody's going (laughs) to, nobody can afford Sagan. (laughs) No, not right now. No, unless he gets back to you know thirty five. We're gonna, goals, we're gonna have to trade. We're gonna have to but... trade him with a first round draft pick and a bag of pucks. Uh, I mean, there, there's. I think the Dallas women would help uh, support that. You know, keeping him here. So I would uh, be very, very doubtful that the Stars could manage to trade him without upsetting a good portion of their fan base, just uh, based on their gender. Hey, regardless of what we think of his overall performance, he's producing on offense, which he got paid all this money for. You can look at some of the defensive things and figure that out for yourself as a fan, whether you like those things or not. But 
he's going to be a huge determination of our like part of our success, you know, yep. uh, the next 10 games because the playoffs. He need, like last year or the last time we had a playoff run a couple of years ago, he was playing injured. Now he has no excuse. He's playing 100% um or as close to 100% as guys are playing right now at this point in the season. Everyone's playing a little hurt or banged up. But yeah, we need him. And I'm excited to see uh him rise to the occasion like he has been. Lately. Well, Brando, um if if I recall right, Sagan has never been healthy for a Stars playoff run in his career except for maybe the first one he had here in Dallas against Anaheim. Maybe the first few, yeah. I think I remember in Anaheim, I just don't think that team was like mature enough or ready enough yet or even had like close to the young depth scoring that we do now. Um, so I think I think we got dispatched by Anaheim. What was that back in like 2012, 2013? Yeah, 2014. Well, the, the coaches yeah. have all the confidence in him. He's playing a lot of ice time. He, he lately is lately he's been out I there think in a, four been, times. He's become more defensive, in my opinion. Like I just and feel I like don't... in the last few years, his back checking is like it, his his play in the defensive zone. It's just been. I, I feel like he's he's trying to pick up in his game there a bit more, knowing that maybe he's lost a half a step just with the double hip surgery, or was it double hip or what did he have? What was his issue uh i i don't I know but like hips or is like a hip thing or something yeah and then that's it, what it, a lot of guys get um the recovery just wasn't great but yeah he's he's picked up on that and and then he's he's getting more greasy goals right now right he's trying to make up for the the um offensive production that maybe he thought he might lose so i'm, I'm liking sagan right now for sure I'm excited uh, after these past couple games seeing Miro start to score. That's dangerous. If that kid gets yep. confidence from the point, huh, that's kind of – if we can kind of get excited for these playoffs and uh, the expectations of the team we had when we had that run and looking at this team, this team kind of has a similar makeup where they're, n- they're not that exciting on paper if you haven't seen them play. You know, they're – 16th i mean they're 12th in wins they're 15th in overall points in the nhl their their goals are 21st forced goals allowed is 16th they're nothing special they're in the middle of a lot of things but they have one of the most exciting first lines in the nhl 230 points combined that's our best line since the the mid 90s um that's a crazy part of it then we got some guys starting to produce a little bit more this team could be wicked to play against for anybody. That's why I'm not – I don't care who the opponent is because it's going to happen either way, no matter – we'll end up playing the best team if we go far anyway. So Right. Might as well get them out of the way first. My yeah. word would be on that, guys. Um, since March 6th, so really where that playoff push comes alive, kind of right, right before the trade deadline uh, – I've got a record here so far of 13, 10, and three overtime losses. That's pretty average. So we did sneak our way into the playoffs, and it's not a lot of momentum. Yes, I am a momentum guy um, to go into the postseason with. 
Yeah, I just it's not productive to have a conversation about them playing bad when we made the playoffs as an eighth seed because we're the eighth seed. Like we're not the expectations for us are already low. So we can talk. We should we need to spend more time talking about the upside and how we're going to beat an, a Calgary or an Avalanche. Because I'll tell you how we'll beat them um, <laughs> is is exactly with what we're talking about right now, in my opinion. Um, with that being said, like we're not a team that's really going to go on like a huge run, like the abs or, you know, like, um, like the, uh, fuck Jesus Christ. Uh, talking about Calgary the flames. Yeah. 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 Like the, like Fl- Florida, Calgary, anything like that. Like we're, we're the type of team that you're not going to beat us, you know, twice in a row sort of thing. Like, win-loss, win-loss team, it's kind of shown that way this year. Like, we're going to be a tough out. We're going to play defensive. We're going to have decent goaltending. We're going to have some big bruisers on the back end. I mean, I I really think we can stymie some of these faster teams, especially like Colorado. Um, (laughs) We beat – nobody gave us a snowball's chance in hell against Colorado in the bubble playoffs, did they? Not one, not, nobody, not one pundit. No, wasn't in just the entire that. world. <laughs> and oh, guess what? Those Joel Effing Kiwi Ranta, playoff magic baby, comes in game seven, rookie. Let me just like put up a Whoa. hattie against Colorado. Man, the atmosphere completely changes in the arena. The pressure, the dynamic. Everybody's finishing their checks that normally wouldn't. Um, the the violence of the game changes. A lot. Everything is just heightened and the intensity. Everybody plays a little more tense and it creates opportunity for those skilled patient guys who don't crack under pressure to make some magic happen. And uh, I'm just just looking at the stars and who they could be playing. I, I just remember with this bubble team we had, I watched them as an intern for the stars and going to every game with a good seat that they weren't anything special up until that COVID break. And when they came back, they really came alive. And it was kind of similar to this trade deadline where, hey, they did what they needed to do to make the playoffs, and that's a huge relief going into the playoffs. I think that gives us enough momentum to play well. Um, And if we can steal a game on the road against any team we play, I, I, I see us doing well in the playoffs. I think we're the type of team that can steal games on the road, though, too, if you think about it, right? Um, it, we just – I feel like on the road we're, we're like a 50-50 team. Like there is a 50-50 chance we're going to steal this game from you. Um, look, at the, so, look at the play, or the overtime record, 15-4 and four bubbles, 15-3, and 15-6 this year. That's That just goes to show you we – we get points. We play close games, and um, there's no shootouts in, in this. So I think our record would be even better if there were no shootout. <laughs> and I like this team actually a lot. I like our Stars team. And um, people, you know, what was the quote of that coach on from Calgary, Suter? He was saying, you know, I feel bad for whoever has to wait eight, waste eight days of their time playing Colorado in the playoffs. <laughs> Daryl Sutter, that guy's sound bites when he's in the press conferences are absolutely golden. He's by the as, way, so. he's as Canadian as a guy gets. He's a beauty, he's, but he's also hilarious. I mean, he just he's a beauty. 
He kind of it, sounds like Ray like... Romano's older brother from uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh my god! Picture. He does. He does sound like that. It, it's just he's also kind of a smartass sometimes. Like I, I think I remember him being asked, like, "What's it gonna take to win a like this playoff series?" Probably like back like eight years ago or so, and he he goes win four games. Like he's just gonna score more goals than them. Yeah, yeah, score more goals. Like <laughs> he's a two-time cup champion too. I mean, that's a tough... he's hilarious, man. We had a coach come in and give us a pregame speech, and he's like, "Okay, you see the puck on the whiteboard. If we put it in their net more times than they put it in ours, we'll win." And then he left, and we were like, "Okay." Thanks. <laughs> so you know the job, like you got. Oh, that's how hockey you works. You got your assignment. Yeah, it's a simple game with with a lot of moving pieces, and luck is one of the most special parts about hockey. And you know, looking at Sagan's goal that was bounced off a few people, and all these things, it all comes and stems from hard work, and the stars work hard, and that may they do. It may be a big factor in why they let up some opportunities against bad teams. They they shoot themselves in the foot, overworking in some areas or or checking too hard, trying trying to overplay a play. And I just think the stars from the games I've seen up close and personal, they work their asses off. Like we have a lot to be proud of as fans because they they do work their asses off and make up for a lot of the shortcomings. Um, they have compared to some other teams that have a little more skill or a little more size. They they make up for that with hard work and effort, which is at the end of the day. Yeah, um, and, the, and the team, just looking at the season as a whole, really has come out from struggle. I mean, kind of a rough start, not not great on the road, especially. Um, in December, had some COVID issues, so their schedule's all wacky. Um, but they hit that all-star break like we talked about a little bit ago and something seemed to click a little more and they just keep on chugging. Um, Jim Neal gets some trade deadline pieces, which we can focus on here in a minute. And that really helps them kind of stay afloat. And then they just well, keep fighting and fighting and get enough points, especially in these overtime games. And now we're here. Bubbles like, I think um, Jim Nill's job was saved by Pavelski and Sons line this year. Um, yeah. And the re-signing of him, made, it just looks so smart. Yeah. Um, having the opportunity to have those guys continue to develop under um, this, this like ever aging fine wine type hockey player who just, he's, he's logging the most minutes for us as a forward. He produces in unbelievable ways. Joe Pavelski is such a treat to watch. Um, for people who who understand um, like all the important things of a good hockey player, he does everything right. It is it is we're so lucky to have him, and because of him, he's allowed Robertson to learn what it takes to forecheck, get the puck in the right position to score. And now Robertson's doing exactly what he does at a in a more energized way, and then hence is just a fucking tank. So we're so lucky to have those three guys playing the way they are. We wouldn't even be anywhere without them. So, Bubs, let's let's break down the, some of the stats on those three guys this year. Yeah, I mean, top line carried this team, and they got hot at the right time, the end of this year, and, and we've we've been able to to get where they wanted to go in the first place. At least get to the postseason, and we'll see what happens from there. But yeah, shifting more to just a player focus here guys um 
couple stats really popped out at me in some of our top top players this year. First of all, you, you got to give credit to Joe Pavelski. He is over 37 years old now, Captain America. Um, just having an unbelievable year. He's only the 12th player in NHL history to have 80-plus points um, in a season at 37 years young or older. That's incredible. And, and same. And it's a career high for him in points. So him playing with these two young guns has just revitalized him. Um, truly, truly impressive to, to see what he's been able to do. Um, shifting the Robertson on the same line. I mean, 40 goal score. What else can you say? He's only the fourth star to ever do that. And yeah, that's <laughs> incredible too. I mean, you look at the company he's in for the stars. What Ben Sagan and Madonna. That that's it. it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> We're really lucky to have him. And they've been, it's all, he doesn't have one way of scoring goals. He's, he's a complete player in a lot of ways. And what do you guys think really makes him so dynamic out there? Why is, is it his shot? Is it his skating? Or is he just a smart player? It's not his skating. Hey, he's, he's got not it. as strong as skating. Uh, his shot and his hockey IQ, I think, puts him there. But, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on this one, uh, guys. Well, I just – I think he's a fast skater. I I noticed his forechecking is what I noticed the most. What what he does when he doesn't have the puck, um, and then he has this little quick burst when he d- does get it and makes stuff happen. But he's a great passer. He he sees yep. the ice well, and you know that's you know one of those Sevy lessons I've done with him. That the way uh, Brent Severn sees the game is the best players like him when he played with Madonna. It's what they do when they don't have the puck, how they get open and. You know, all those guys are watching tape um, on the, the this top line, and they still can't stop them. That's because they truly are gifted at getting open and finding the puck in the right space. Hockey's a lot of luck, but you don't get lucky 40 times in a season. And no. uh, <laughs> if anyone's lucky, it's us as the fans to get to have a guy this young and this good uh, playing for the Dallas Stars. Now he's Filipino also- flash, baby. Oh yeah, Filipino flash. And then, <laughs> what, what? What's hints? Just a couple years older, and he's at seventy-one points plus fifteen. He's uh, God, just about he can fly. even in goals and assists. He's almost at forty goals as well. So he's three goals shy of forty. That and... dude is like an absolute stallion going up and down the ice. Kind of reminds me of old Madonna when his like sweater'd be flapping behind him because he's flying. He's just skating so fast. I'm trying I'm trying to think who he's comparable to because he's not that fl- he's not extremely flashy with his um hands but like um it's kind of hard to say. He's got a nasty wrist shot and he's so fast. I just yeah, I'm trying to think who I could compare him to from what I've seen in the past on any team. Um I want to say he's similar to certain players but I can't even think. Like I I wonder how comparable he was to Joe Thornton when Thornton was young or stuff like that. Um, Cause it's Thornton. who do people compare rope do? Cause he's like a linebacker on skates. How big he is. He's fast. <laughs> he's like and, a linebacker that can run a four, two, you know, he's, he's just, and he's, he's tough, man. He's I mean, really Sydney tough Crosby as nails. Rings a bell, right. He's got a pretty good size on him and dudes, uh, elite. Nah, nah, don't, nope. don't do that. 
He's not Crosby. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't want to like, compare that. Don't you don't Crosby. compare those two people. <laughs> oh, no. I would take Crosby at 16 uh, rather than Rope right now. That's how good Crosby was when he was young. Like, Unfortunately, Nashville has won the game. The Preds have jumped the stars for the seventh seed with one game to play tomorrow. So that immediately puts us in the conversation to play Colorado. Bring it on. As of now. Bring it on. Bring it on. I prefer uh, Colorado, them. I don't know if you remember uh, Joel Kiviranta, but he should be playing against you again, and he'll get you another, you know, game seven Hattie. Yeah, hopefully he's not benched this time, but uh, we'll do a full playoff preview show hopefully this weekend before the series. Um, things could change tomorrow, right? It's only one point advantage. If Nashville loses tomorrow and the Stars win, flips right back and we're playing Calgary. So Hey, so before we finish up wrapping up about these individual players, um, you know, let's talk about some lowlights. Um, we didn't mention Otter real quick while we're still on the good stuff. We got Otter, who's kind of come in and pr- proved that we have a goalie who's here to stay, a young stud. His stats don't really prove that he's a top goalie in the NHL by any any means, but that's more of a testament to the team uh, that's playing in front of him because he stole a lot of games for us this year, um, and he's another guy we're lucky to have. I was an Ottinger fan last year up until the point where we would go into overtime or a shootout, and I think I mentioned this to uh, Bubbles a couple times. I was saying, you know what? This kid is something special up until we can get him into like overtime or a shootout. In the shootouts, he's not good. He it just he doesn't have the confidence. And he was he was talking about it in an interview the other day. He was saying, you know what, I now have like more confident in the shootouts. Like it it was right after the uh guess it was right after the Vegas Golden Knights game and he has stolen so many more games for us this year. If it wasn't for him, man, I don't think we even come close to being in the playoff race. So, um, but yeah, I just I think he's made a huge step up this year, contrary to any other beliefs that he hasn't. The goalie rotation was interesting, right, guys? I mean, we beginning of the season had four on the roster, and then we had the trade for a goalie at the deadline because everybody was out. You had Brent yep. Holpe, um, a, a mysterious injury, which still I, I don't – I'm not fully understanding what happened to him, but hope he's doing all right and can come back because he's a, a great veteran. Um, we got 10 wins for us. Then um, we had Anton Hudobin for a couple games. It seems like it's probably the end of his road, but he also got injured, so we'll see if he can make a comeback. Um, then Ben Bishop, who just couldn't, couldn't overcome his ailments, unfortunately. And yeah, you know, so bring in Wedgwood. I hope Dobby and Bishop stick around the organization, though, because they have been such valuable goaltenders for us throughout the past ten years. And um, all the goalies who have played with them have developed into pretty good goalies throughout history. So hopefully, uh, they stick around the D- Dallas area. I know Ben Bishop will, so that's a good thing. Um, but not only Otter, let's talk about the defensemen coming out of the net. You know, the goal. Those guys. So we got we got two good guys that cemented our d- defense all year with Miro and Suter, and Suter's another guy just like Pavelski who's logging 
the second most uh, minutes on defense for us at thir- what same age? Is he 37 as well? Suter is 37, yeah. They came out of the same draft too. <laughs> and he's going to be our, uh, one of the biggest parts of us being successful in the playoffs. We need, <laughs> we need him to stay healthy and to log those minutes for us. And uh, with these overtimes, 20-minute overtimes, sometimes they go to double, triple, do we have the stamina? I, th- I think we do. It's, we've proven it in the past with the amount of overtime games we've won, but those are five-minute overtimes with three-on-three. Um, I'd like to see I how- think we have the stamina. I just, I'm worried about us getting overwhelmed for certain periods of times in games. I think that's what's been like the Stars kind of killer this year in games where we've been inconsistent is – there are certain periods of um, of time and games where we just get outplayed. Um, but I, I, I think that we just have this punch back ability. You know what I mean? Like just this, if we're getting outplayed one period, we're going to come back and just smash in the mouth the next sort of thing. And then we just, I, I don't know. It seems like we will not lose, you know, multiple games in a row when it comes to the playoffs. I, I I really like the way this team is set up. I mean, I really think that we're one of the better eight seeds, um, eight or seven seeds. It's going to be um, hey, in the playoffs. At this sure. point, this isn't an, you know, we can go through the comments real quick because that's what we've asked uh, the fans to do is kind of lay down some of their hot takes on what they feel uh, rounding up the end of the season and, there's some strong, strong opinions about what's gone down and, you know, our evaluation of this regular season. <laughs> I don't know. People have a lot of hate. People have a lot of optimism. It's a mixed batch uh, with our fans right now. And yeah, I think it's worth chatting about Bubs and Brando. I, agree. I mean, everything has shifted within a week because <laughs> we were in Canada and we lost three in a row. And the freaking world was ending, and everybody thought the season was over. No playoffs. Fire bonus. Uh, what a pathetic <laughs> joke. Uh, this team. Fire bonus. Get rid of Klinger. Do this. Do that. Yeah. I'll find. I'll find some of these comments here. So I'm on the hot. Juicy ones. I'm on the hot takes post. Um, yeah. But you know, we got some people saying one of our. Uh, so Tommy Maluli, that's a pretty cool name. He says, one of our uh, my biggest issues is the play of Klingberg, or should I say poor decisions he has been making lately. He isn't the same player today that he once was. So Klingberg's stats this year, he had 48 points, but only six goals. He also only had 138 shots from the point. Um, so he's not shooting as much. But, uh, yeah. I've noticed that as well. He's making he's his mistakes are becoming more and more noticeable, and um, there's a lot more negativity surrounding uh, Klingberg's name. And uh, I've always been an optimist when it comes to his play. He do, when he scores and when he does well, our team tends to do well. And um, I know how important he's going to be for us uh, in our success. But here's yeah. here's how I kind of look at Klingberg. Um, when you when you take an offensive defenseman who is a puck moving defenseman and Bunzi, please keep me honest here because you are the actual hockey player. Yeah. Um, I just think that the, the rest of the fan base might need to take a look at it and be like, 
look, he's moving the puck. Obviously, he's going to turn the puck over a little bit more, right? Just because he's trying to create more offense. Um, I remember, I, I remember a fan base back in the day where there was, you know, a, a few people here and there that kind of gave Zubov a little crap every now and then, because he would be turnover prone just because he was a more offensive defenseman. But, um, I mean, if you look at the stats amongst all of our defensemen, Klingberg's at the top, um, and he creates a lot of offense for us from the blue line, and I think it's very, very beneficial, especially going into the playoffs. I think he's a, a huge asset to the team. Yeah, um, like but we're acting like he's having an extreme down year. I mean, he's only a couple points sh- shy from his third best season um, at 49 points, so – it's not like his points are down for an offensive defenseman. What shines the most is his minus 28, which is embarrassing. Um, he is playing and, a little less, though, right? Because uh, Miro, I think we can call our number one defenseman at this point. He's averaging over. Yeah, but he's, he's paying with four minutes a game. He's playing the majority of his ice time with Lindell, who we paid a lot of money to be our defensive defenseman. And him being a minus 28 is a reflection of a lot of fans, you know, put, putting his name up for a p- potential trade. Because because of that defensive liability, but like I defended him in the past, this 47 points he produces is the difference between us winning overtime games, the difference between us winning close games, and we need to pay attention to that. Um, and the play also be a good indicator of what his, his real value is since we haven't re-signed him. And yeah, it's a contract we'll, year for him. We'll be able to see. So I'm glad we uh, were able to answer that question uh, Tommy, and hopefully you're able to tune in and see that. Um, I got a couple comments. You know, one guy said, I'm fine with Ben as captain. I'm not sure how unpopular that was. That was Hayden who said that. But another guy said, Robert uh, Topia said, the Pavs should be uh, Pavs should be ca- uh, captain moving forward. He's been a staple on the top line for two seasons now. Um, I don't want to give a guy who's signing uh, for one more year the captaincy. Um, And in my opinion, having been a captain in my hockey career, um, (laughs) selfishly, um, it's a big responsibility. And I don't know if it um, always provokes uh, players meeting their offensive potential when they have to um, do other things. I don't seven-year-old who's going to be 38 being our captain having that much pressure when um, not only that i don't think pavelski would take it from ben no i think he just has too much uh, like he has too much respect for ben and the fact that ben's been in the the team for yeah i I agree with you there i mean well i think the entire room wouldn't take it would he the dallas stars marketing doesn't want to pay for any uh marketing changes on that anyway so (laughs) <laughs> they'll keep them captain as well, long. maybe not but they don't want to change time. any of the print paper on it no i don't yeah. i think this is a avoid convo like ben's not going anywhere as captain as long as he's here he yeah no not at all i mean i just i i if if ben were to god forbid be traded like i love ben and i still i still think he's the captain of this team like I, he just he's... he is in my opinion um he brings a lot more to the table the than just like you know, scoring points, but I we haven't I broken down Pavelski, his stats. So Ben, let's you know like this season he's had a pretty good season. Um, 
you know, career-wise, it's not his best by any means. Only 46 points. That is actually his, you know, one of his bottom 10, bottom four seasons of his career. Um, you know, dropping down from having consistent 79, 79, 87, 89 points, 69, 63. You know, I wish he was still sticking around that 69 range. That's that sweet spot. But he's he's dropping down to this 40, 46, and it's it's hard. But he's producing. What we noticed in the last last handful of games is how much he's done for us um, lately, and that's what matters when it gets closer to the playoffs. I think he's gonna have a big playoff. Uh, I, I think he's gonna have a big playoffs here. Seven uh, points in April. He had twelve points in March. Eight points in February. So. Like the majority of his points came in the past few months, and can't be mad at that. After the Cup final a couple of years ago, um, I'm sure both you guys saw that video the team put out of the behind the scenes little documentary they had. And at the end of it, when the Stars lost Game Six and the series was over, uh, last player in the locker room was Jamie Ben, the captain, and he was just yeah. sitting at his locker and a very depressed state knowing that this may have been his only chance and his closest shot to get that, you know, for uh, just absolute milestone, your, your absolute goal as a hockey player. Heartbreaking. Um, After watching that, that, that really, I promised to myself that I I wouldn't question him as a captain anymore. He cares more than anybody else on that team. Does he have the skill and the physical ability to lead him anymore? You know, a few nights a week he can do it, but not every night. Um, we saw it in the Vegas game. He was throwing the body around, chasing pucks down like old Jamie Ben. Um, so that, that's what we need. Be that captain. Be that leader that everybody respects. And I think all the guys can, can look up to him. And He I, sets an example that the rest of the team can follow. That's the example, right, of the attitude yeah. that you need. Yeah. He's the one fighting these guys. Maybe, you know, we've talked about it that he should fight better guys. Like, don't fight the fourth liner just to get the crowd going. But, but he doesn't put up with shit and he stands up to anybody. Yep. Um, yeah. and he sets the tone and he's, he's done a great job as a captain. Um, you know, we have high expectations because of the dollar value behind his contract. But, um, you know, look, there are other leaders on this team that, that don't need they a letter, do not need to wear a C to like command that utmost respect in the locker room and Bunzi, to your point i think joe pavelski is obviously one of those guys right like whenever if he ever speaks up in the locker room i guarantee you every other person in that room is listening to what he has to say i like the makeup of this team a lot and then you look at the back end and you know miro's quiet but you have the veteran presence of Suter and um I, 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 a little I, assassin, man. He might be quiet, but I guarantee everybody else in that room is just like, whoa. You know, well, he doesn't, he doesn't say much. He he produces on the ice, and oh god, he's he's so nasty. Well, um, also wearing my Miro jersey to uh, that Vegas game the other night, him being the shootout winner, that was that was a good feeling. That was my. That's guy. a personal highlight right there. Yeah, what a, what a shootout it was. Game. That was giving me cramps. I don't even know. I was dying. I think we said this in a previous podcast, but like the stars are really just the cardiac kids, man. I feel like I'm losing 
a year of my life every time I watch him, yet I can't look away. We saw it last every night game. with Arizona, right? Oh, three nothing into the third. Let's let's clinch playoffs. No, they get mentally soft in this team that's playing for absolutely nothing but just shits and giggles. Uh, just scores three in a row and uh, yep. then wins in overtime. Watch him beat the Predators in regulation. Hey, I got right. another guy who asked a good question. Um, I don't know if you saw this recently, but Tyler uh, Coel said, should talk about your experiences as a fan in different stadiums if you visited. On the heels of the Yankees fans throwing trash on the field during a game, think it'd be good to discuss how fans have and should act while watching the sports you love. Well, first off, this podcast uh, absolutely detests the actions of Yankees fans. That was the trashiest <laughs> scumbag thing I've ever seen. Just yep. They won the game, and then they were parading trash on the players in the outfield. Um, that's not a way to act, um, let alone throwing stuff on the ice. Um, it, and regardless of the situation, you, th- you, you obviously see how things can get out of hand. And um, – you know, players deserve respect on the ice, and I I don't mind people saying stuff. Um, but just just like verbal rules, you can't cross a line. Um, when it comes to respect, but I I've been to all sorts of atmospheres. I've been to a Philadelphia Flyers New York Rangers playoff game uh, in Philadelphia, and I've seen Philadelphia fans cussing out, booing um, like Rangers fans, and they were with their little kids. Like it doesn't matter in Philly. So it de- depends on the atmosphere, depends on the culture and the environment you're in, first off. And when, you co- when it comes to New York, you're dealing with East Coasters who uh, have that mentality a little bit. Like, it's the way it is. We, we have a little more Southern yeah. hospitality over here in Texas. But, yeah, I've been we to a lot, of, a lot of different places, and that's not the standard. But the, the atmosphere is obviously different. Uh, state to state and around the country that's for sure i feel like the farther north you go the the more like no holds bar it is more personal it gets man like (laughs) hockey starts to become a way of life in some of these states and people really really care about it i mean i've been to i've been to more southern games honestly um like stars kings uh go to predators games all the time i got family up there in nashville predators games are are I would say fairly similar to stars games uh, or the fans are Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion. But yeah, once you get, you know, North of the Mason Dixon, it's, it's just like the, the, I've been to, I've been to a couple of Rangers games. Those are fun. Uh, Yeah. TD garden once that was fun, Um, but it's intense and they, they love their fans up there. They really don't give a damn about who they're playing. Well, I always uh, remember this quote. I had a hockey coach, and I'm sure some of the listeners on here will know him, Richie Slavin. He's a local legend coaching a bunch of youth hockey uh, around here. And he came in the locker room, and this is when we were just starting to be able to hit. And he sat us all down. He he said, you know, I played in arenas full of a 1,000 people. And uh, the one thing, it's like a coliseum, and we're barbarians. Hockey's a very barbaric sport. And – I'm surprised the fans are tamer uh, in a hockey rink than they are in a baseball stadium with that trash stuff. You know, you see fans fight. I see a lot more at baseball games than I do in hockey arenas. That's for sure. And hockey is one of those games where the players can police themselves. And uh, 
energy can get crazy, but um, yeah. we're seeing less and less of that chaos. So that's, that's, that's good. Um, but yeah, I would like to see the Dallas environment, uh, you know, get a little more rowdy, not chaotic, but rowdy's good. Louder, rowdy. I mean, rowdy, descri- it's a good descriptive word for people from Texas. I mean, let's come playoff time. Let's get, let's get loud. Let's wear green. Let's go stars. You know, I mean, I, I can't wait to, to see who we play and just, you know, throw it to him. Get some nasty Jamie Ben in there. Get some, get some, uh, just cruise missiles from Miro back in the point. I mean, some great goaltending. It should be a fun playoffs for sure. We're post COVID now, right? So the arenas are definitely going to come back. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the stars get their fans going in, in a playoff environment. I think last couple of times they've been really into like a matrixy futuristic type theme. So um, always a cool um, entrance to get excited for before the games to make sure if you're going yep. Get there early. Um, haven't gone to a few other arenas myself. I mean, um, just kind of in, in summary, I mean, a lot of these new arenas are, are way nicer than American Airlines Center. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to support your team. If you get up and get loud, the other people around you are going to feed off that energy. And if we encourage our friends who are, you know, just on like a date night from uptown or kind of thing, or some of the old timers just there to, to watch a game. You get up and cheer, get loud, right? The the players feed off that. These hardcore Northeast arenas are hard to play in because the fans are loud. And old Reunion Arena used to be crazy effective uh, for Dallas because it was small and it would echo. And you had a bunch of young people that wanted to see some guys kill each other on the ice. Think about the the past two games we went to. (laughs) The past two games we went to in person was the Lightning game and the Vegas Golden Knights game. And that atmosphere and the noise we heard in that arena was as loud as you'd hear anywhere. As loud as you'd hear anywhere when Robe scored the the winner at the end and Miro scored the shootout win. That's, that's, those are, we have the environment for that. And, um, you know, we have the playoff environment for that. I will say this, like, I don't know if I've been to a ladder stadium at a hockey game than like a Dallas stars playoff game. Like it's, it's just, that's the way it's feel raucous. every time. It's awesome. I, I, I'm excited. And I, I just think, um, you know, we, we can, we're going to dive deep into this playoff um, convo here coming up and we're going to dive deep into the avalanche and what we think we have to worry about the most. And it, obvi- there's a lot of obvious things just looking at the team, but this isn't the same avalanche we played in the playoffs a few years ago. And, we're not the same Dallas Stars team, so I can't wait to break that down. But we uh, definitely have a lot to be uh, thankful for uh, coming on the end of this season uh, because we're lucky to be in. That's that's the bottom message. We're, we're lucky to be in, and as fans, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, that was a great question to end on, I think, Bunsy, there. Just talking about the arena, like that's – this is the best time of year. This is, these are the games you want to pay a little extra money to um, – go to you're seeing some of the best teams come to your house and you have a chance to beat them and, and make a statement there nationally on, on TV. And that's just what you play for. It's yeah. the fan which yeah. you want to see. So all you loyal fans buy tickets to the games and go and cheer loud because yes. we don't need these pretentious Dallas stars fans who are just showing up for the playoffs and buying out the tickets. 
probably from California or something, paying a thousand dollars over asking price. Bunch of jerks. We need loyal Stars fans. We need those like give me Colorado Stars fans. I want the games. I want the dudes. I want the dudes who look like they were uh, doubles for Pantera's band showing up. I want. I want the rock star fans coming. People who want to get in a bar fight. Long hair, don't care. Don't give a shit who we play. Give me Macar in Colorado. Hey, has the guy with the red mullet been at the game lately? Oh, man, I see him every time, and he's the greatest. That guy's absolutely We're going to need to make sure he's conditioning that up for the playoffs and getting that silky smooth. If you're listening to the podcast right now, fans, please donate any conditioner you have to this man. The silkier, the shinier, the more distracting. Yeah. (laughs) Absolute beauty of a tomato. Oh, man. (laughs) Stars fans, we made it. Hey, Luca's talking that shit, boys, by the way, because uh, the the Mavs just won the series. Is going off right now? Mavs just won the series four to two. Mavs are in. Mark Cuban's dancing. Everybody's dancing. A lot to be uh, happy about um, being a Dallas sports fan right now. Good omens, boys. We got the Mavs going. Oh, Mavs win by two. See ya. See ya, Jazz. All right. Let's go, Stars. Big time playoffs coming up, boys. What a season, boys. We made it to the end of it. We're still intact with uh, most of our health, I hope. A few heart attacks along the way, but we'll get over it. Just take some time and all. Man, what an episode. Well, guys, we almost approached an hour here. Very impressive, but a lot to go through in 81 games uh, so far. Game 82 tomorrow against Anaheim, Friday night. We'll see what happens. We'll see which opponent we get to. Uh, We'll drop another episode before the series next week. And, um, yeah, we made it. We have more hockey to watch, so looking forward to continue talking with you guys about it. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, Brando Bunzi. Thanks for listening. Being on. Everybody, thank you. Uh, we'll see you all again soon. And now and forever, go Stars. Good night. You've been listening to the Texas Hockey Talk podcast, presented by Dallas Stars hockey fans. For more, follow us on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter. You can find our new podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.